Welcome to the Radio 191 FM podcast. Last week, the government announced that Aotearoa New Zealand's borders would be completely reopening to the world, months earlier than initially planned. From July 31st, the borders to New Zealand will behave as if there is no longer a pandemic, with cruise ships welcome into New Zealand waters and international students rejoining our campus. Minister for Education Chris Hipkins acknowledged the strain that the border closure had placed on the multi-billion dollar international education industry, and the minister will be travelling to the United States, Brazil and Chile later in the year to promote New Zealand as a location for international exchange students. International students will, however, face a higher barrier to study in Aotearoa than they did previously, with the government requiring prospective tertiary students to display access to a minimum of $20,000 per year to cover their living expenses. This is $5,000 higher than the previous threshold. The July 31st date comes three weeks after the University of Otago resumes teaching for the semester two period. University of Otago Director International Jason Cushion said that the announcement excuse me, said that the announcement dates would be, uh, that were just made would, were very good news and would give international students currently offshore a greater degree of confidence to make plans to return to study at Otago on campus. Cushion told R1 News that the university is currently working through the implications of the announcement to assess international students' abilities to return to Otago University for semester two. This will depend on a student's course of study, when they'll actually be able to make it to campus, and if they are already studying online through the university. For students who are able to return, the university has limited accommodation options available, but are investigating other options. However, Cushion isn't expecting a large increase in international student numbers until next year, when international students will be able to apply for university-managed accommodation in the same way that domestic students do. I'm joined in the studio now by Sean Teo, International Student Representative for the Otago University Students Association, to talk about the recent government announcement. Morena, Sean, it's great to have you in the studio. Kia ora koutou, katoa. Thanks for having me here, and warm international greetings. Oh, thank you. Um, Sean, what is your reaction to the announcement that international students will be allowed in earlier than previously expected? It's really, really welcome news for our end because we haven't had new faces in a while and our community has taken quite a hit because of that. So for the past two years, we've just been lacking the numbers and, you know, the new gens um, that we've been waiting to see every year. But um, some of our cultural clubs have been struggling because of that. Um, so that's one big factor as to why, you know, they're really struggling this year in particular. But it's... It's definitely one situation that's constantly evolving, so we're going to have to keep an eye on it in order to see how we can better support those uh, students and those clubs. Um, and but we're we're definitely happy, you know, we're really happy to hear about that. Um, it's an important part of our community. I mean, you can't have an international community without the international students. Exactly. So, yeah, it's been something that we've been wondering for um, quite some time now. And, um, you know, they, we contribute so much to the diversity to these spaces. Um, and it's always uh, one of the highlights of my experience here at Otago itself, where, you know, there's just so many different people on one campus. Um, like Otago in p- particular, unlike the other unis, noticing uh, the other <laughs> unis there, has this, um, has this sort of vibe, I guess, that's very easy to like bring these communities together in a much more tight-knit fa- uh, fashion. So um, I'm just hoping that the, with the, you know, the, the border announcement that we'll be able to get that back up and rolling again at full force. Um, in terms of uh, 
why, like how this affects cultural clubs as well. Well, some of my friends have also been doing um, their roles for quite some time. Uh, the leadership positions in cultural clubs, so that's great and all. But you know, we love our work, but we won't be studying forever, and that's you know the reality of the situation. So having a newer generation of students take up the mantle would be awesome. Uh, my last notes on that is really, well, as as much as we are very excited for this news, we are also anxious. We we want to support these students as best as we can, since we're students ourselves. But we're gonna have to tread lightly and see how we can go about supporting these students. Excellent. And so do you think that for the international students that are able to come over in this semester coming, that it could be hard for them to find accommodation since the uni flats are already tenanted? Yes, very much. Um, I definitely think it's a real issue that mm-hmm. um, we've been trying to think about, but it's one of those new issues that uh, you know, border recovery is something that's new to everyone, and in particular, especially if you're working in the international student space, it's one of those things where you really have to get your head around it. Otherwise, um, we won't be able to support the students in our capacities that we're capable of. Um, but it's it's definitely a tricky one for sure. Yeah, one of the few can of worms that um, we've had to deal with this year. Usually, first years would situate themselves in like residential colleges, for example. But even among first years, not everyone wants to do that for various reasons. So they might go for uni flats or go straight to flatting. Um, but flatting has always been tricky. <laughs> so not just for the international community, but even for our students domestically as well, as I'm sure everyone will know. <laughs> so it's an ongoing issue. Um, our residential officer from OISA, which is the Otago International Students Association, for those who don't know, uh, and the rest of our team want to provide better resources for that and support our incoming students as well. As a team with students who have had experience living in Dunedin for quite some time and you know, were not from Dunedin, um, we know the local renting market better and we want to share what's that like with that combined experience. So we can have the incoming students, um, we can help the incoming students with like a better sense of what it's like to flat at Dunedin and what you need to do to get things going. But it's particularly tricky since they are definitely away from, um, you know, doing physical viewings and stuff. Like, that's an important part because usually the transition is residential college or uni flat and then you go into normal flatting and then you do your own, like, research. Um, The disadvantage that they have is they're not here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, they've probably, like, lived at their households for quite some time now. So it's still going to be quite the daunting, like, shift and transition back into a proper uni experience, per se. Right. Um, So we're just currently trying to get some student feedback and see how we can go about uh, being able to provide more informative resources that will be able to help these students. Indeed. And so this date that has been announced, it's three weeks after the beginning of semester two. Do you think that this will be a problem for international students hoping to start in semester two? Yes. Uh, You'll find that most of these questions you'll ask me today probably has a yes answer (laughs) to. If if it's a problem, yes, yes it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kept me busy this year. Um, I love the work, and it's it's great problem-solving experience, I guess. But uh, yes, in particular about the three weeks, you know, after semester two starts, as you can tell with this whole situation, most of these problems are tricky to resolve. So 
not only do you have to well, do you have the problem of whether the visas will be approved um, in time, that is, which has been an ongoing thing within our community. You also have the fact that these students will miss out on key events that might help them get assimilated into the community. Um, so, like, when I came during the second semester, I was late, and then, you know, I missed out on all the, like, welcoming, like, events, for example. Uh, but I'll get into that in a bit. So, sure, they've had experience doing their studies online, which is why I think um, it might not affect their academics to the extent that we believe, since they've already done it for two and a half years mm -hmm. plus, maybe, or even longer. Um, but it's still a definite concern of mine, because... Um, these students have done it for two and a half years and I'm sure we all would uh, dread having to have like two and a half years of constant online learning. Um, so that's basically the situation. And I know everyone empathizes on the whole online student, uh, sorry, online learning uh, situation. So we hope that they'll be able to get their visas processed for um, as as soon as possible, and but that's that's a whole nother like discourse because it involves immigration and all the processing issues and how they're really struggling with like the border recovery too, despite them you know being the ones to facilitate that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's all about like really ensuring that the relationship between uni, government, and the students um, stays quite healthy in that regard. Um, in in terms of the students that are coming back, I. I believe you, you talked about uh, Jason Cushion saying yes. that most of the increase in numbers, the massive ones, would probably be for next year. I also think that's the case mm -hmm. as well. Uh, some students who will be doing online studies and uh, considering it, they'll be just, I'm sure they'll have the same thoughts of, oh, but, you know, I'm just going to be doing online study anyways for like one more semester and then I can like uh, take some time to like prepare to go to New Zealand when things like settle down a bit and the border recovery is in like full force. Um, so I'm thinking that's probably what some of the students might be thinking overseas. Um, yeah, and in terms of coming during the second semester it's this real awkward period where um i identify as a second semester i guess or yeah. yeah that's a label for us like uh, students who start in the second semester and um it the whole visa uncertainty issue is very very much like relatable because uh i, I remember before coming to university i only had one day left for my visa to get approved and on that very last day my visa got approved and I had to, you know, I had the chance to either cancel my flights um, uh, in one day or uh, get ready to go in one day. So it was quite stressful. Yeah, stressful. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's coupled with the stress of not knowing whether or not you'll be there for quite some time. Um, so I came late, like I said, and, you know, I missed out on uh, quite a few activities so that's one concern of mine if students do decide to come here so hoping to do some sort of orientation seminar or like some events that might help them settle back into or settle into Dunedin since it's their first time um, much easier as well. And so you've started alluding to my next question then which is what accommodations would you like to see made for international students who are hoping or who do make it over next semester? 
Yeah, so I'm dreaming here, but I wish there was a residential college uh, dedicated to international students. (laughs) There used to be a college for postgraduate students, and, you know, uh, the students that I have spoken to said it was a great place to, like, meet the rest of the community and people of, like, the same situation. Um, But, yeah, that's definitely a dream. It's quite idealistic of me. (laughs) But uh, if we're talking realistically, we'd also like um, Uniflats, I guess, to be a bit more accommodating since... um, some prefer to break into the community with uni flats before going on to like normal sort of flatting situations, and but it's uh, it's it's definitely an ongoing discourse with the whole like situation with uni flats. Like we really hope that um, they're accommodating to students who might be able to come in. We just hope that they've reserved like a few spaces yep. for these students. If we can get like numbers uh, going on like how many students will like confirm their decision to return, then that would be great. But as you can tell, this is an issue that doesn't just link to the university, it links to the whole government um, and how fast they can process the visas. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, something like doing virtual viewings would be awesome for these students who can't be here physically. Uh, they They definitely deserve to have a place to live in. Um, my residential officer at the moment is looking for solutions to try and resolve this. So, but it's it's definitely an issue that was brought up even just in the past two weeks, and we're currently still brainstorming like ideas on how we can better, um, well, better let these students know how what accommodation options are available. Yeah, but it's going to be a real struggle, that's for sure. Mm. And so final question for you before we wrap up here is, with international students coming back to New Zealand, what are some changes that you'd like to see made at a university and a national level to improve accessibility and the experience for international students? I think that's a really good question to ask. Um, obviously, the relationship with university is also sometimes linked to government, uh, especially on the international student community front, right? There's always this case of immigration, like not doing this, and it's causing frustration for students. And, excuse me, (coughs) and the universities um, trying to make up for this and ensure that the student well-being is being taken care of. But at the same time, it's always like back and forth. It's it's almost like playing uh, ping pong in that regard. Mm-hmm. Like it's the balls in your side, and you just have to try and hit it back. Um, but yeah, at a university level, I want all our international students enrolled here to have access to that key information about their return, or I guess their welcome into New Zealand. Uh, as soon as possible it's imperative that it's a must you know I I knew how anxiety inducing um, it can be and uni should definitely be delegating or a considerable amount of resources to making that happen because it's it's that whole flow of communication concept that we want to ensure the students um, get that information as soon as possible because it's quite the uncertain situation and the only way to deal with that is to give some certainties to let them know what to expect uh, instead of letting them you know second guess things and you know uh, dwell into their anxieties that's something we don't want to happen so that's what I think the university should do so the international office already has been working incredibly hard to do just that but we should definitely show these students that we truly are looking out for them by being more proactive Um, so this year I work 
uh, me and my team work very, very closely with the international office. So we'll be able to provide much more direct and much more um, fast and efficient like feedback for the international office to consider so we'll be able to like poke a few like tap a few shoulders and uh make sure that they're doing their job i guess yeah um so that's sort of the uni side of things i think they're more than capable of handling it um especially with the collaboration that we've had this year the the staff and student um, relationship this year between the international office and oisa is much stronger than ever and um, we are hoping to ensure that this collaboration uh, works to the benefit of all these students as much as possible. Uh, for the, well, at the end of the day, it's about quelling that uncertainty and providing that certainty, right? Um, at a national level, it mainly focuses on the whole visa issue that I've talked about um, in the past 40 minutes. <laughs> well, um we know that it's a huge can of worms, but as students and some of us, um, you know, as students, some of us are still learning how to adult, and it can be pretty daunting. So I can imagine that um, that whole issue with the whole visa process will be extra, like, stressful this time around because it's a whole border recovery situation instead of, like, the normal situations. We're working towards getting back to that sort of normalcy, but... Uh, as some have mentioned in the community, it's not going to be like that for a long time. But we are still ecstatic at the news. It's it's such a bittersweet feeling. Um, in fact, um, we hope immigration, lack of a better term, can sort their shit up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we truly hope so. Um, then, and, you know, it's, it's just to ensure the whole smooth processing of visas is well prioritized for our international students so that they can have less stress, you know, and have yep. less worries about the whole um, situation. It, well, prioritizing student visas should definitely be a top one. And that's not, you know, discounting or invalidating the other visa applica uh, applicants at all either. But in light of the circumstances of being a student, you know, like um, having to study and being on like sort of like a time stress schedule and it's like, oh, yeah, labs are going to be starting like uh, two weeks later um, and they're going to have missed out on like a few labs. Like the whole like practical part of the uni experience is really essential, I believe. And that's why. Um, having the students on campus would be um, necessary for that, uh, obviously because of the physical limitations. Um, we are studying on those real tight circumstances, basically, and it will definitely benefit student well-being and their academics. It will transition much earlier with as less stress as possible. Uh, final notes on that would be, well, the government should communicate better with the uni more. The lack of communication or, I guess, Male communication, I'm not sure if that's the word, um, is such a serious issue. And that's already caused quite a few issues already with the whole um, visa processing on campus being removed uh, for a different system. But this is the year they decide we're not going to put in the system straight away. We're just going to take it away. Uh, so we're left with quite a bit of um, a struggle right there. Yep. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.